that's what horseback riding should be. I mean, I see so many people just so focused on winning the race and winning the competition. But I mean, horses don't think the way we think. For them, it's, you know, just a job and you're their life and they don't understand what's going on. So so the most important thing for me should actually be what how our horse feels about being with us and doing things with us. So it needs to be fun for them also and for us. But definitely, I think, you know, a good thing is always follow your dreams, follow your heart, follow what your intuition says, because you're always going to be right if you follow that. I talk to my horses as if they were my best friends every day. They know what I feel. They know my intentions and my emotions. So I think Amadeus knows, you know, how grateful I am to have him in my life and how happy I am to, for him to be my partner and for us to be together on this journey. Welcome to the Horsemanship Breakthroughs podcast, a source for riding and training insights with the goal of helping your horse be a happy, light and willing partner. I'm your host, Amalia Dempsey, a mainstream equestrian rider who discovered natural horsemanship, and now I help riders like you achieve connection and communication, so you can have more fun and fulfillment whilst prioritizing partnership with your horse. Want to find out my horse training philosophy? Access the free connection and communication mini course at amaliadempsey.com. Now sit back, relax, enjoy the show, and hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any future episodes. Welcome to episode nine of the Horsemanship Breakthroughs podcast. Thank you so much for being here, and I'm really excited about today's episode where I interview Asia Dakwaroni, otherwise known as Wild Hearts Amadeus on Instagram. Asia is 25 years old and is half Italian, half American. She lived in the US throughout her high school years and then moved back to Italy because she felt that was where her heart belonged. Asia has a degree in media and communications that she received in London and is currently taking a master's in innovation and entrepreneurship at one of the most renowned Italian schools, Politecnico de Milano. I hope I've said that right. Aside from her studies, her extra time and complete dedication goes to her animals. She says she is a mother of two horses, two dogs, two frogs, and one cat. But she says horses are definitely her weak spot. Asia has been riding ever since she can remember and got into it completely on her own because her parents aren't riders and they didn't fully agree with her passion. But once they saw how strong it was, they couldn't keep her away. Asia started taking lessons when she was seven years old and that's when her incredible journey began and still going strong. Asia tried all disciplines but mostly competed in jumping competitions with her quarter horse, Missy. Asia obtained her ENGEA permit to become an ecotourism guide and first level instructor when she was just 18 years old, but then went off to college, so she didn't really make use of that qualification at the time. Now that she has a bit more time, Asia is fully dedicated to training her horse Amadeus and helping some friends with their horses. She says this journey has been the biggest lesson of all as a horsewoman and just as a person in general. It was really nice finally connecting with Asia after following her on Instagram for some time. And there's some really beautiful messages within this podcast episode. Asia talks about her horsemanship journey to date, why she doesn't really do competitive jumping anymore. She talks about breaking her back to going on to building a relationship with a completely new horse. The story behind Wild Hearts Can't Be Broken. 
why it's so important for horses to have a really healthy living environment, doing the opposite of what you think you should do. And she talks about who inspires her as well and so, so, so much more in this episode. So I really hope you get a lot out of it and are inspired once again through this podcast to have a better relationship with your horse. Okay, welcome Asia to the Horsemanship Breakthroughs podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Amalia, for having me. I'm super excited. Me too. I've been watching your journey on Instagram for a little while now, and I'm super intrigued to hear all about it. So let's hear from you. Tell us about your horsemanship journey to date, when you got into horses, and what has led you to where you are today. Okay, long story. I'll try to make it brief. Um, So I started riding um, since I was literally two years old. My family is a non-rider family, but my mom would take me on trail rides. And when we would go on vacation, I would always ask her to go on trail rides. And so basically that's when I fell in love with horses. And I begged them to let me take lessons for a lot of years. And then when I was about seven, they agreed to start letting me have English lessons because in Italy where we're from, that's mostly the discipline that's done. It's like jumping English. So for basically three years, I took lessons with the school ponies and everything. But obviously, every little girl's dream is to have their own horse. So literally, I pestered my parents so much to get me my horse that they eventually like I drove them crazy. So for my 10th birthday, um, they surprised me and they bought me my first horse. And her name is Missy. She's a quarter horse. And my dad obviously has no idea of horses. And so he didn't know anything about the breed or just breeds in general. He just had this friend that had this um, quarter horse barn farm. And so he saw Missy and she was only four years old and he saw how well she was praying and how sweet she was. And so he said, "Okay, this is the horse I'm going to get for my daughter. And basically, yeah, she and I became, you know, best partners, best friends. And I still have her. And we've been together for 15 years But um, her being a quarter horse, obviously she was trained in Western and she comes from a cutting line. But all the barns in in Verona, where I'm from, are mostly jumping barns. So I kind of had to (laughs) teach her to jump to be able to integrate, of course, in in this world. And so with the help from my trainers, we taught her to jump and we competed for like five years in jumping competitions. And she was very good, actually. We won a few and she got to jump after a few years like one meter 20 i'm not sure what that is in feet but it's pretty high for a quarter horse yeah and uh, yeah so and she was very good she loved jumping we loved it and for we had a lot of fun but i was always kind of the black sheep in the barn because i was always the girl doing kind of the different things i would ride bareback i would do the competitions in my halter and bareback out of the barn because um, everybody there was very, you know, like they put the mouth latch and all these crazy bits and all those, you know, all these things. And I was like, what's happening? Like, I didn't know anything about that. So I was like, I can do this with the halter and bareback. And so when they would allow me at our barn, obviously, we would have these like little social competitions and I would ride her like that. And, you know, we were we just had so much fun for a long time. 
And when I turned 15, I moved to the States to do high school. So I had to lease Missy to a little girl. But it was really, you know, she was out of the pasture and then just had this sweet little girl that would ride her a few times a week. They didn't do anything stressful. So I was pretty happy about it. And then I came back after high school. So I got Missy back. And but I gave up competitions and jumping basically forever because I just wasn't into it anymore. And we just did trail riding and just had some fun and just relax because also she started having um, navicular disease. Um, she got up pretty early, so she couldn't obviously jump anymore, do anything crazy. So we just did, um, trail riding. And then eventually after a few years, it got a bit worse and we tried everything to help her barefoot, different shoes. We tried everything you could imagine, but it was very, very intense. So I just decided to leave her out in a pasture, a big pasture with a herd of horses and just let her live her life that way. And, uh, yeah, so I just went to go see her every once in a while and I do, I was just happy that she was you know finishing her her career like a normal real horse and obviously then I went to university and I couldn't ride as much I didn't have time but once I finished university I really felt the need to have a horse and trail ride again and just have you know that feeling again of being able to ride and do your own things with your own horse and of course i couldn't do it with missy for her health so um a year ago i started searching for the horse and that kind of led me to amadeus and where i am today so yeah long story short how good yes yeah, so one question there around the show jumping you mentioned that you weren't really into it anymore was that because your horse developed the navicular or was there something else that made you think, oh, I don't really want to do show jumping anymore? It was kind of both. Obviously, the navicular, but also ha not having it done for like three years when I was in the States. I didn't really feel the need to do it anymore. I had a good career, like, you know, um, those five years. We, did it, we were in competitions every weekend, waking up at five in the morning, all the stress and everything. And I just didn't want to put myself and her in that situation anymore. And my goal was never to become, you know, an athlete, jumping rider. My my goal is the relationship with my horses. So that always came first. And that's why I just decided, you know, I'm going to give it up. And I just want now a horse to do trail riding and have fun and just, you know, a good partner to live my life with, with no stress. Yeah. And I think so many people can relate to that because not everyone wants to, you know, go to the Olympics and win the gold medals and compete at a high level. A lot of people just want to have a good relationship and connection with their horse and just have fun. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think that's what horseback riding should be. I mean, I see so many people just so focused on winning the race and winning the competition. But I mean, horses don't think the way we think. For them, it's, you know, just a job and you're their life and they don't understand what's going on so so the most important thing for me should actually be what how our horse feels about being with us and doing things with us so it needs to be fun for them also and for us yes and tell us about Amadeus hopefully I've said that right um how yeah, long have you <laughs> how long you've had him what he did before you got him and um I know you've mentioned Missy but any other horses um I don't have any other horses except Missy I used to have a big huge 
Hanover horse when I was competing because I wanted to uh, jump a little higher. So for a few months, we got this horse, but then, you know, life happened and I went to the States. So we sold him and he was also very mentally unfit. He was kind of one of those horses that you needed to recuperate with a long journey. He was very scared and, you know, dangerous. So we just sold him and, you know, that's what happened. But um, Amadeus, I've had him for almost a year. Actually, our anniversary is in two days. So, <laughs> and um, I got Congratulations. Thank you. Um, so as I said, a year ago, yeah, no, a little more than a year ago, I started looking for a trail horse and I've been so in love with Spanish horses my whole life because I just think they're so intelligent and just amazing and gorgeous. And so my dream was always to own a Spanish horse. So I started uh, searching around and trying out different horses. Um, so yeah, um, I tried 15 different horses and the last horse I rode, I actually had to jump off of because I lost control and I broke my spine. <laughs> so fun times. Oh my and, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, because we were out on the trail and the owner was like, my horse is amazing. This is the best horse I have. He's a four, he was a four year old stallion. And he was just like, my horse is so nice. And he's awesome. And I was like, okay. And then we went in the field and they all started cantering and I was in the back and the horse obviously got excited, but, and he started, you know, like doing the little goat jumps with the four feet. But obviously if you're doing it on a normal horse, you might be able to stay on, but this horse was a gigantic Spanish stallion. So he pulled the reins out of my hands. I lost the stirrups. I was, he was running towards the road with cars. So I just decided to jump off and I was like, okay, I need to jump. This is the best thing. If not, I'm going to fall off and get trampled. So I jumped off, broke instantly two vertebrae. And obviously I couldn't walk for basically a month and a half. I was in a wheelchair. I had to wear a cast and everything. And, but while I was recovering, I got sent a picture of Amadeus and I fell madly in love with him. And I was like, I need to see this horse. I need to try him. So I called my doctor. I was like, when can I ride? I need to know when I can be able to ride. And he was like, wait at least two months and then you can ride. And on the day that he said, okay, the two months have passed, I called these people and I was like, I'm coming over and I'm coming to try Amadeus. And um, so I went to this barn to try him. And I told them about my injury and I said, you know, guys, I just fell off a horse. I broke my spine. I need a horse that's really calm. They knew my whole story. I need a horse that's good, that's relaxed, that's not spooky. I, I can't risk falling again because I'm. if I do, I mean, I could risk not riding ever again, which is cannot happen to me. And they were like, don't worry, he's really good. And so I went there and I tried him in the arena because it was raining outside. And in the arena, you could tell he was very green. He was good, but he was very, very green. I mean, he was just wiggling all over the place. He couldn't pick up a canter. You know, just he, you could tell he didn't have a good training, but his head seemed good to me. And so they said, don't worry, we'll keep him a few months for you. Uh, we'll finish his training. We'll make him really safe. We'll make him really easy for you so you don't risk anything. And I, I trusted them and I was like, OK, fine. I believe you because I just had that moment of imprinting with him that I said, okay, I need to have this horse. He's just, you know, his demeanor was incredible. And I said, okay, this is my soul horse and I needed to have him. So I went, bought him basically right there on the spot. 
but I left them with uh, these people for training for basically two and a half months. And I went back to get him. He passed the vet check. I gave them the other half of the money and I took him home. And the moment he came home, the few days later, I started to notice that he was just terrified of entering his saw. We couldn't put him into a saw. He wouldn't enter the shower. I couldn't wash his feet. He jumped on me He because he got scared of like a bird in a bush while I was walking him. He was just a ball of nerves and tension. And he was I couldn't brush him because he was scared of me brushing him. And obviously on a part, you know, that's my fault also because I didn't do all these things when I bought him. But on the other side, these people are, you know, really big horse dealers. And I absolutely trusted them because they're quite famous in Italy. So I didn't think they would, you know, screw me over. Sorry, the word in this way. But um, so that's basically when I started to, to to figure out all of these different things that Amadeus had. And so I messaged them a few times. And I was like, Look, guys, I mean, he's beautiful. He's really sweet, but he's quite dangerous. And I don't have anyone here to help me. Because there's no instructors that can do this type of work with a horse. I'm by myself. I don't know what to do. Uh, this horse is pretty dangerous because he jumps on people. I can't clean him. It's been two months and I can't put him into a stall. We have to put him in backwards. And, you know, just these crazy things that a horse owner shouldn't shouldn't have to deal with if you just want a normal trail riding horse. And obviously, I didn't at all feel safe to go trail riding. I tried one time and he was just kind of like huffing and puffing and, you know, prancing. And he was just very stallioning. Just, you know, I didn't I didn't feel safe. And they told me, OK, you have to ride him with a whip. You have to ride him with a strong bit. You have to ride him with a mouth latch. Don't let him gain control. And I was like, what the heck? Did you sell me a dragon? What's going on? And um, so for two months, I was debating, you know, what am I going to do? Uh, do I do I sell him? Do I give him back? Do I ex exchange him for another horse? And they actually uh, offered me some horses to give him to get him exchanged. But when you know that became kind of reality, I just couldn't go through with it. I was just like, "What's going to happen to this horse if he goes to someone else?" Because I know no one's going to have the patience to help him. They're just going to bend him and break him and break his spirit until he submits. And I just couldn't physically think about that. So um, I decided, you know, to just start figuring out what to do with him on my own. And that's basically where our journey began. I took on this, this journey with my horse. And it's the most amazing thing I've ever done. And I'm so, so happy it happened because I totally think it was like destiny that put us in this situation. Because if it weren't for him and his past and all his difficulties, I would have never learned what I learned today. And I would never be where I am today. So I am immensely grateful, even if it's very difficult. It's a hard process. I do risk my back every time, but it's worth it for him. Yes, it's so worth it. And I feel like certain horses enter our lives to teach us certain things and to guide us into a certain direction. And I know that you're currently studying the Pirelli program. How were you introduced to Pirelli and why did you decide to try Pirelli compared to other methods? Yeah, so um, I always heard people talking about Pirelli and I've heard different, you know, um, contrasting opinions about it. But um, because I got Amadeus, I 
just had the opportunity to try it. And I looked at different methods. You know, I was pretty new to this. I've always done liberty and just things more naturally, just in my way of being. But I never had a, a scheme or like a particular training method. So I was at a total loss with Amadeus because the tra traditional training methods had totally failed him, obviously, because of what we saw. But um, nobody in my barn had the abilities to address those issues. And so I needed to find a different way of doing things to help him. So by researching, I saw that Pirelli was basically very straightforward for a person to learn on their own because they have the savvy club, you know, and they guide you through all the different levels. And it's fairly easy if you do have, of course, a horsemanship background and you do know what you're doing with horses. It's very easy to follow the levels and so basically that's when i when i started i just joined the savvy club and i worked through the levels and i slowly started seeing results and improvements and also i saw that um kind of close to my house there was another barn that practiced pirelli and so i was able to find my instructors there that helped me out a few times and um, so that's basically how I got started, just researching. And I, I believe that right now that's a method that worked for him. Yeah. I know that some people find it a little, you know, unethical in some ways because of the escalating pressure. But personally, I can say that I've never used anything like any escalating pressure with my horse because I just haven't needed it because they understand things before you even get to that level. So with Amadeus, I've never even touched them with the state, you know, I, it's, it's just so natural. And I just feel like that for him, at least for that particular horse, because he is or was an ex-stallion, I got him castrated. But since he is very, you know, strong and proud, he needs a good leadership and a good guide to help him get over these things and i think that pirelli really really did help us and so yeah that's basically what i've been doing for the past six months with him and we got really really amazing results fantastic and i noticed on instagram that you've had some lessons with giorgio who i'm a little bit of a fangirl of to be honest um and that's natural horse jumper on instagram for those listening please tell us what is it like having lessons with him he's amazing Giorgio is absolutely amazing and you cannot just it's like watching a movie when he's writing you just sit on the side and watch it happen and it, it doesn't even look like anything's happened and then he gets off the horse and the horse is completely different than when he started um but unfortunately I only got the opportunity to have a lesson with him twice because um it was a moment where Amadeus was having very extreme dangerous behaviors during riding. He would buck and, and bite and he was just being very, very, very dangerous. So neither did I or my instructor, which is his girlfriend. Her name is Isabel. And she was actually the one that followed me through this process and is still following me at a distance, obviously, because of COVID. But um, she was the one that was actually just started this journey with us. But then there was these two times where Amadeus was just being extremely dangerous for both of us and we didn't feel safe. So we called Georgia to come give us a hand and he showed me some techniques to get him kind of past these defensive mechanism he was having because these I mean, it was just a very 
defensive thing he was doing. Of course, he didn't want to be horses aren't mean naturally or, you know, anything like that. He was just he was confused. He was defensive. He doesn't have a good relationship with the rider. And so Georgia just showed me how to gain his trust from the ground and then transfer it to the saddle. And it was just absolutely incredible. I hope they come back soon because I haven't seen them in like six six months, five months because of COVID. They're locked up in their, their barn because, you know, they can't risk um, getting COVID. So they have to stay there. But hopefully once the situation settles a little bit, they'll be able to come back because I really miss them and I can't wait to have another lesson with them. And I think both me and Amadeus would really benefit from it. Absolutely. I just think that's such an incredible opportunity that you have to learn from those two highly experienced horse professionals. I'm very jealous, to be honest. <laughs> no, it, it's awesome. They're very, very amazing. And just their style of teaching puts you in so much calm and peace. And they, they, they explain things, you know, in such an awesome way that it's so easy to understand. And then you leave feeling, you know, so hopeful. Actually, the first time that Giorgio came, he worked with Amadeus for about an hour. And then he said, okay, now you ride. And I was so nervous. And I was like, oh my God, I'm going to die. He's going to throw me. I'm going to break my back again. But he, the, then I rode Amadeus and I felt like he was a completely different horse. He was so relaxed, so willing. And I actually started crying and I got emotional. And I was like, oh my God, guys, I'm, I can't believe this gave me so much hope that I can actually achieve this with him and it's just going to take a lot of work but it gave me a light at the end of the tunnel that would have felt so nice I can imagine the joy that you would have felt in that moment what a what a special time can you tell us about what wild hearts can't be broken means to you I know it's featured on your Instagram quite a bit but tell us Mm -hmm. you know where did that come from and what does it mean Definitely. So um, I actually got this phrase tattoo when I was like 18 years old. And I was going through a bit of a rough time, you know, as we all do in that period of our life. And I just needed a daily reminder that if you keep having a strong and wild and pure heart, then you can't be broken and you people are not going to get to you. You need to remember to always be strong to keep yourself wild and free. And so whatever happens in your life, they're never going to break you. So I got, so this, this quote is super important to me and it gives me strength throughout my life, even today when I need it. So when I started to get to know Amadeus, I saw that his past actually did try to break him and his spirit, but he never let that happen to him. He, he remained, you know, this wild, this beautiful, pure soul and that's why I I associate this quote also with him because I in his past the people that had dealt with him before me tried to break him down and make him submissive and he never he never you know let that happen to him so that's why it's so so important and I think it resonates a lot with us and also with different you know people that have a similar past as as him or you know had difficult things or even horses that have a difficult past. But basically, you know, I just had to remove this wall he built in front of himself. And day by day, I try to remove a little brick and a brick at a time. And I get more and more each day, a little bit more into his heart because, you know, he's just full of of this of his past. And so each day I try to enter a little bit more into his soul and gain his trust and 
you know, that's, that's why it's so important to us that, you know, wild hearts can't be broken. And it's so true. I mean, if you do have a wild heart and this goes for horses or humans, then you need to remember that you cannot be broken no matter what happens to you in life. Stay strong, keep doing what you're doing, and eventually you will get, you know, gifted by life if you stay strong and stay on your right path and don't mind all the difficulties in your life. It's almost as if Amadeus is your mirror, you know, like you've had that wild hearts can't be broken mantra in your life. And it's almost like he's shown up to really prove that to you, to, to really help you understand that on a deeper level. It's so interesting how horses are our mirror. It, it's incredible. I mean, I never worked with a horse like him, but every day I see how similar we actually are because we're both very, very stubborn, very hard headed. We're super just, you know, strong and we want to do things our own way. And so I can't even get mad at him or blame him because I'm exactly the same way. So and that's why it's so difficult to work with him because you're working with the mirror of yourself. So you have to always keep your cool, you know, not be emotional, uh, <laughs> be calm. And so you can transmit this to your horse. And when you have a horse that is so similar to you, it's much more different than when you have a horse that's completely the opposite of you. Yes, and I love watching the two of you together on your Instagram. And I've noticed that your Instagram's quite new and you've already got like 8,000 followers or more than that now probably. Why do you think your account has grown so quickly? You know, I asked this myself too because honestly I have no idea. But, you know, I have to give credit obviously to my horse because he's just gorgeous on the outside and also the inside. And I think a lot of people enjoy seeing his journey. And obviously, because Amadeus has this troublesome past, I think that his progress gives people hope that a horse can change. And even when everything seems against you, and you don't have knowledge, or you don't know what to do, you know, you there's always a way and there's always a way to find a new approach and a different approach to help your horse. And I also think our followers enjoy the realness of our profile because I always try to share the struggles and the challenges in this journey to show that horse training is not all roses and ponies, you know, it's difficult, it's a lot of work, and you often don't see that on social media. And I think, you know, a lot of influencers or just people on social media should really show what goes behind the horse training because horses aren't born doing these amazing dressage movements. They're not born, um, you know, cantering beautifully, uh, cantering with flags on them. There's a process behind it. So I think it's really important to show the struggles and the reality so people don't feel alone in their struggles. So I think that's that's maybe why, you know, we, we do have um, this following, even if the account has been open for a few months. But that's mo I think that's why, because we're, we, we're real. We, we share a real story. It's our life. I don't uh, sugarcoat anything. If it's going bad, I say it's going bad. When it's going good, I say it's going, it's going good. So we're basically, we try to keep it real on our page, and I hope they appreciate. Yes, I think people love that. And I love coming across accounts like yours where you're inspiring other people to be better with horses, to be kinder, to be more ethical. It's so nice to see because quite often you come across really famous accounts that the horses don't necessarily look happy. Which brings me to the next question. What do you think makes a happy horse? Well, 
I think happy horses have nothing to do with humans. I mean, some humans think, you know, horses need us and I'm such a good owner. I clean him and he has the best stall. But horses could not care less about the color of their fur or their stall they're living in, you know. And so many people are focused on this idea. But to me, a horse needs forage, friends and freedom. These are the basic needs of a horse. I mean, they need to have, they need to be allowed access to food 24-7 because, of course, their digestive system is designed to eat small quantities of food continuously. And I see so many, you know, barns that give, you know, uh, horses like a meal a day or two meals a day. And then obviously they need um, to have space to move that is, that it's adequate. So they, horses aren't designed to be in a stall 24 seven or like those many, many pastures, they need room to move. That's appropriate because, you know, in the nature they're designed to cover hundreds of miles a day. And, you know, they can't do that in, in modern society, or at least in these, in barns. And I'm talking for myself also, because even if in my barn, we don't have, giant fields but i try to set set it up as naturally as possible closest to his natural environment and also you know they need friends so many people keep their horse in isolation and i think that's the main most important things horses need to be with other horses i know that some people are scared oh my god my horse is gonna get bitten he's gonna get a scratch he's gonna get kicked but this happens i mean it's a risk but they're not stupid. They know what they're doing. They're not going to hurt themselves excessively. It's normal if they play. It's normal if they get a kick. Missy's lived with many different horses. She got, you know, they rank themselves in the herd and it's totally normal. And this also is awesome for their mental health because if you don't give them this, you know, they could, so many problems come out of it. And I also see that when you do fix these three things, if you give them friends, if you give them freedom, if you give them forage, they so many issues are actually resolved like this you don't need no magic magician horse guru just put your horse in a situation where he can be a horse and you'll see that everything changes and this goes for Amadeus also because when he arrived he was one of those horses he was a stallion so he didn't have access to friends he had you know two big meals of um of hay but also of i'm not sure how you say this in english manjime but um the you know just their cereals and um and he 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 didn't live in a pasture he lived locked up in a stall so when i castrated him i immediately found him a buddy i put him out in the pasture 24/7 with hay available 24/7 and he completely changed that was enough to make him calmer and more relaxed and you know just overall a happier horse then obviously the training does its own part but if you don't have these three things to start with it's very very difficult to work with a horse and to make them calmer and you know an overall happier horse if you can't allow them to be a horse because you know we see our horses one hour a day if that some people see them on the weekend so the whole week they don't have anything else you know so if they have friends and they have a pasture then they will be happy horses when they see you but if they're always waiting for you to come up and bring them out of the stall it's obviously not a, a rightful life for them to live i mean that's just my opinion but and and i think this just we need to try to make 
this better for horses. I know that in modern societies, so many barns don't allow this. We don't have the space, but I just, you know, suggest to horse owner to find the best possible conditions for your horse to live in. You know, make it your priority. Don't make the amazing indoor arena, the amazing shower, the amazing stalls, the priority. Make your horse's living conditions the the priority. Yes, I definitely agree with you on that one. And everything you're saying, I'm thinking, yep, yep, that's what I do. That's what I'm all about as well. So it's so nice to connect with someone else that's on the same page. And I only wish that more competitive stables and barns actually offered these three Fs to their horses because if they did that, they might actually see an improvement in their horse's performance because their horse is mentally in a better space. Um, But, you know, we're, we're spreading the word, so we're doing our part. Yeah, hopefully, you know, by spreading the word, it'll start coming across. And, you know, it's it's just, I don't think people do it, you know, to be mean or anything. It's just, you know, they don't have the knowledge that this is actually what helps their horses and this is what horses need. So by spreading this knowledge, I mean, there's so many books about it. You can find, you know, people like us that advocate on this. So just spread the word inform yourself and you know you will see so much benefits from letting your horse live in these conditions yes and i agree a lot of people don't actually know that there's a better option for their horse they're only just doing what they think is best and what they've been taught and what they've been exposed to and everyone is on their own journey how would you summarize your own personal training approach or philosophy with horses Well, you know, aside from Pirelli, I always try to add, we each add our own training to our horses, but I trust myself a lot and my intuition. So I don't do anything that feels wrong to me or the horse in my training. And this obviously doesn't mean that I baby my horses and that I let them walk all over me and I'm their slave. You know, I'm firm if I need to be, but I'm firm as a mother would be with their child, not as, you know, you know, I'm the boss, you do this. It's just more of a guidance. You know, I try to help my horse find peace and the right answer through, you know, a kinder approach. So this never comes from a place of anger or frustration, it comes from a place of love, and just helping them through their difficulties. And um, so I also always try to give my horse something to be proud and excited about, because I think that's so important. You know, I see these horses do amazing things, but their rider doesn't even say thank you. They're not praising their horses. They're not, you know, they're not giving them a reason to feel proud. And that's why I think it's so important to ask a little and reward a lot, you know, as Pat Pirelli says. And in my barn, I actually get made fun of, you know, when I train because my training sessions are, if you listen to it or if you watch it, it's basically good boy, super boy, yeah. So that's what you hear like for a full one hour, two hours. And, you know, and Amadeus could have just like walked over a pole or picked up a trot and, you know, just things that a person thinks is completely normal. But for him, it's difficult. So I praise him so, so much because I want him to feel proud, even for the smallest things. And, uh, you know, horses shouldn't, you know, people are like, oh, but he should naturally know how to go over a pole. He should naturally know how to canter. But it's not true. Horses shouldn't naturally know how to do anything with us. It's all learned behavior. And some horses find it easier. Some horses find it more difficult. And with horses, 
with like Amadeus, it's so important because they're so proud in nature and just so strong willed. It's really, really important to give them a reason to do things with us. If they don't enjoy what they're doing and they don't feel proud doing it, they're not going to do it. So that's why I find it super, super important just to praise Amadeus, even for the smallest little things he gives me, because it's such a privilege when they decide to actually collaborate with us. And so, you know, we don't need to take anything for granted because it isn't. Horses don't need to carry on, carry us. They don't need to be responsive. They don't need to be kind to us. They do it because, you know, they want to have that relationship with us, but you need to give them a reason to have this good relationship. So to me, being with him and especially being on his back, it's such a gift. And when he allows me to do that and he collaborates with me, I make sure that he knows that I'm so, so proud of him and that he's doing a really, really good job. Yes, and I think by voicing that out loud, it helps us to embody that positive energy that the horse can also feel. And I'm the same as you when I'm riding around. I know this because I video myself a lot. And when I play it back, I'm like, wow, I'm literally talking the whole time. And I even do this at competitions and people look at me really funny. But you know what? I'm past the point of caring. So it's all good. I'd love to know from you, what advice do you think people should ignore when it comes to horses? Um, so the one thing that I always hear is that, you know, you should use force and you need to show the horse who's boss or, you know, you, you need, I hear instructors yelling at their students, like the horse is doing whatever they want, show him his boss, kick him in the ribs, use your whip. And I'm just like, um, why? (laughs) I mean, why are you teaching this to your students? It's so not true. I mean, it's just that horses can learn to be sensitive and responsive to our aids but it obviously takes a lot of time and patience which most people don't seem to have so they resort to the quick fix which is you know putting spurs on kicking them in the ribs getting your whip whipping them on the butt and that gives you the quick fix but in the end what that gets you is a really really dull horse because they start to shut everyone out they retreat into themselves. And, you know, that's when you get the school pony that people say, oh, he's just lazy. He's stubborn. He's desensitized. But in reality, it's just that he doesn't know how to be a horse anymore. And he feels like he's not allowed to express his emotions and communicate freely. So that's the main thing that really upsets me is when I see people saying, oh, he can't feel you whip him harder. Uh, he can't feel anything. He's a horse. He's so strong. But I mean, horses can feel a fly land on their body. And so if they can feel a fly land on their body, what makes you think that it can't feel a b- kick in the ribs or a whip on the butt? They totally can feel they just decide not to listen because they, you know, they're just so shut down and so retreated into themselves. They, you know, they they try to ignore everything that's going on. And so you can make these horses sensitive again, but it takes a lot of time. And obviously people don't have that. And it makes me really sad when I see these school ponies being ridden, you know, by kids that are learning these things from people that they look up to. And, you know, they grow up thinking, okay, I need to kick the horse. I need to whip the horse. And it's really, really sad that kids learn this in modern stables. And obviously it's not, this doesn't go for all instructors and everyone. There's always the exception. 
But in my experience, this is what I see very, very often. And I just see the poor horses thinking, oh, my God, when is this going to end? Make it stop. And, you know, so I think that's the main thing that needs to change is that horses are sensitive. They're emotional. They communicate. They're smarter than people think. And it takes literally you could even communicate with them with your mind and not even touch the reins or touch their ribs. And they, this is how I work with Amadeus. I don't even use legs. I try not to use my reins and he does what I ask. So this is a proof that horses don't need all of these different things to go. You just need the relationship and the communication and a good connection. Yes, absolutely. But sometimes it takes us a long time to get to that point because a lot of us are started in these traditional ways of riding um so we almost need like a school that starts off in natural horsemanship that teaches children from the start this is what we do on the ground it's about the relationship it's about the connection um but yeah I don't know of any schools at least where I am that offer that and look none of us are perfect I'd like to know from you what's something that you once did with horses that you now no longer do and why is that Definitely. I was actually one of those children that was taught that way. When I was little, I was taught kick the horse, pull to stop, um, whip when they're misbehaving. And I was taught the idea of punishment. But horses don't work on that, you know, idea. So I obviously never felt comfortable with doing that to my horse. And I never did that. But still, I was taught that way. Um, so, but obviously, you know, just the way of riding with the bits and the strong things, I changed that way. Like now I totally understand that a horse can be ridden bitless. They can be ridden with very small, small aids and they understand. So that's definitely something that, that I've changed. But I think the biggest thing that I've changed is learning to control my emotions a lot better. And I, it's difficult working with horses because some of them really test our emotional fitness. And, you know, I used to get really upset about it when me and Missy would complete compete and something didn't go as planned. I would get frustrated. I would never, you know, release my tension on her, but I would feel like I would got, get frustrated at, at her. And now I just realized that when something doesn't go as planned, it's never the horse's fault. It's just a communication issue. So, you know, when when your child, you're really easily influenced. So I would follow at the time what I thought was, you know, who was better than me. And obviously that wasn't the best decision for me and my horses. But um, today I've learned my lesson. And, you know, I know that I always try to find the most ethical way to deal with my horse's issue, even if my horse is being very uncollaborative dangerous whatever they're doing i try to keep my cool i never release my frustration because if you do you only make things worse i see so many you know children at i used to even at competitions they their horse would you know get third place and they would throw a fit and whip the horse and oh my god my horse is so bad and you know it's just really really you know sad those things still happen today Yes, and it's more common than not really. And there's that saying, um, frustration begins where knowledge ends. And I feel like often people get frustrated because they just don't know how to communicate more clearly with their horse. They don't know how to get that level of connection and that bond and that trust. And so that's where the frustration creeps in as well because they're just like, it should just work, just make it happen. And it just snowballs from there. But anyway, I'd like to hear from you, what are some of, the, I guess it's sort of related to previous questions, but what are some of the biggest mistakes you see people making with horses? 
Well, the main thing is that I see people doing the opposite with horses of what they actually should be doing. So basically adding pressure when the horse is already giving signs of anxiety and they keep adding pressure and then a bomb goes off or, you know, punishing the horse or humanizing its behavior. Like my horse is being naughty. My horse hates me. (laughs) My horse, you know, just giving horses, you know, things of being when in reality, horses don't have that. Or, you know, my horse is lying that he's lame. Horses don't lie. Horses don't plot. Horses aren't angry. What they do, they do it because they feel that in the moment, you know, and as so many people try to humanize their behavior, but, you know, we can't do that because they're horses. So, and I also see, you know, people fueling kind of the fire when a horse is already very nervous and maybe he's being right brain, the people become really emotional. And instead of remaining calm, they start yanking on the lead, you know, and like lifting their energy up, which only makes the horse lift its energy up. So, you know, constantly even nagging the horse to do something instead of giving them one single clear straight idea of what you want and then helping them understand. But, you know, this happens even when I see people having to keep pressure when trotting and, you know, the school pony is not going and, you know, the instructor's like, keep your legs on him, keep your legs on him. So you're nagging, the horse is already trotting and you're there still saying him trot, trot, trot. And, you know, the horse is like, but I'm doing it. I don't understand. So, yeah, you know, the main thing to me is that sometimes you just they do the opposite of what they should be doing. So that's kind of the the main mistakes I see. If you would just use reverse psychology and just think about these things a bit more, you would easily understand how these things don't, you know, give you the result you want. Yes. And I see that a lot in various situations, but especially of late with trailer loading, because people want to put the pressure on at the float. And it's like, no, the float needs to be a place of release. So it's really interesting how humans think in that way. And I agree with you. Often we need to do the opposite of what we think we should do. And usually that's what the horse needs. This is sort of related as well, but I'd like to know what is something that you believe is true that a lot of horse people disagree with? Well, I mean, I think we could go on the same what we were just talking about, about this, you know, that people think that you need to add pressure to get a horse to do something when in reality you need to take it away. So basically, even with with Amadeus, when when he arrived, he was absolutely terrified of ground poles. And I mean, terrified he wouldn't even come near one if it was three meters away from him. And so what the way that I taught him to deal with that is that I would use approach and retreat. So I would let him back away as much as he needed. And then I would ask him calmly, okay, come closer. And then when I saw that he was thinking about coming closer, I released all pressure. And by pressure, I don't mean spurs or whips it was just me on the ground guiding him with my stick you know in circular motion just asking him kindly come closer please look at it it's fine it's not gonna hurt you and the moment that he felt tense I wouldn't add any more pressure I would actually do the opposite I would back him away and so this is something that people don't understand and I see it you know a lot of times the horse maybe doesn't want to jump and they're like, jump, 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 kick them, you know, to go jump when you should actually make that a safe place for him. You know, if a horse doesn't like jumping, make it fun, make it a safe place. Now, Amadeus, it's his favorite thing to do. He jumps at liberty. He actually goes and jumps things by himself. And when he arrived, he was so, so terrified. But just by listening to him and giving him his own time, you know, and 
doing this reserve psychology. Oh, you're scared. Okay, let's go away from it. You know, this work to build his confidence. And now he, it's his favorite thing. He jumps all the time. He jumps everything, even different things, you know, like barrels and stuff. And just because I let him build his confidence with it and I didn't put too much anxiety and pressure on something, I actually took it away. So he started to realize like, oh, poles aren't so bad. They're actually fun. I actually like doing this. Yes. And I loved watching that video of you and him at Liberty where he was jumping jumps. I don't know if that was the first time that you played with him with jumps at Liberty, but he looked like he was loving it. And he's got such a good jumping technique. I know you don't really have plans on doing any competing anymore, but you know, have you even considered perhaps going back to jumping just because of how good his ability is? You know, I thought about it, but definitely I wouldn't put him in that stressful situation. If he does, I mean, I know he enjoys it and he's really, he, he's good at it and it's something he likes. So I would like to get him to the point where we can actually do a little, you know, um, you know, some few jumps in a row, but I don't think I would compete again, you know, professionally, but maybe this is just a thought to prove to the people that told me, oh, he's never going to jump. He's never going to be a good horse. He's never going to do anything, you know, just to prove to those people that, yes, your horse can do it. We can do it bitless also, you know, just to prove that maybe in a future I will enter a small little competition you know, small jumps just for the heck of it, just for fun. And just to show people that this was a horse that was dangerous, that was unrideable, that a lot of traditional trainers couldn't ride. And then here we are, you know, with a halter, rope halter doing a little jumping competition. So I would probably just do it, you know, for that to spread some knowledge, but not definitely not. I wouldn't, I don't think I would start competing professionally again. I think in the direction that you're heading, you'll be able to do it bridalist girl. I hope so. Like completely no problem, just a neck rope. <laughs> that would be amazing. Now for something different, tell us what horse-related purchase has most positively impacted your life in the last 12 months? Um. Okay, so I'm going to have to go with my Pirelli kit. So my rope halter, my lead, my carrot stick. So I basically live with those things. And I'm one of those people that really enjoy simple things. I don't like crazy bridles and bits and bunch of ropes and latches. You know, I don't even understand these things. I've never used them. When I see it on horses, I don't even know what they're for because I don't, my brain doesn't work that way. You know, I think horses can find these movements naturally and I don't think they need all of these crazy things. So my rope halter is just amazing because I use it obviously as a bridle. So if I need a bridle, I just use my lead, tie a rope and it becomes reins. If I need to do groundwork, I can use it to do groundwork. And obviously my stick is like uh, a second part of my body now because I use it for ground communication. It's just an extension of myself to make things more clear. And I use it when I go on trail rides, you know, if I'm walking, just in case, you know, if it gets a little right brain, it helps me regain the situation, communicate better with him. He's completely, you know, friendly with it. He knows what it means. And so these are basically the three things that definitely changed my life. And I never thought, you know, when I was younger that I would use these. I didn't even know what they what they were. You know, even a rope halter is new to me. I, I always use normal like halters, but now I would never go back and they are just 
so amazing. And, you know, when Amadeus arrived, they told me you need to ride him with a bit. You need to ride him with a mouth latch, with whips and spurs and all this. And it's been almost a year that he hasn't seen a bit. And, you know, I can comfortably ride him bareback on a trail ride with my sneakers on, you know, and he's fine. So this just proved that it takes time. You know, it took us a while to get here, but all horses can learn to be like this. You know, we don't need all of these extra, let's say, kind of aggressive things on our horses. And I'm not against bits at all because, I mean, I think in some situations they're useful, but I think they need to be used with, um, you know, with with a good hand. You need to be able to use them correctly because if you use them in the incorrect way, they can actually cause a lot of damage. Yes, absolutely. And that's something I think about a lot as well, the whole bit versus bitless. And I can ride my horses bitless but I still use a bit sometimes, but it's definitely crossed my mind on multiple occasions. You know, maybe I'll just ride bitless because they're soft and light without the bit. It's, uh, yeah, I don't know if you're the same, but often I, I think, no, I'm going to ride bitless forever now. And then next minute I'm like, oh, no, I'll, I'll, I'll try the bit again. And it seems like such an unnatural thing to have a metal object in there now. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, I think... As I said, it really depends on the horse and on the person. Amadeus, for example, had such, such a bad relationship with the bit. When I got him, of course, I the first rides I did before changing everything and switching, I would ride him with his um, bridle with a bit. And I could tell he was so uncomfortable. He would pull the reins out of my hands and he would pull his head and constantly throw his head in the air. And, you know, he, it just made him really, really uncomfortable. So I just I think it depends on horses. There's some horses that are more comfortable with bits because maybe there's horses that want you to have a little more control. And there's some horses that are totally uncomfortable. But we need to be, you know, good owners and listen and understand what they're trying to tell us. I don't think Amadeus will ever be one of those horses that will enjoy having a bit. I do want to get him used to it, you know, just for the sake, you know, of showing him that it's okay and that he can, you know, have a positive experience with it in case that if in the necessity that we ever would need it, I don't know why, but in the necessity that we would, I just want to, you know, just even for sake of training and for myself and for him, show him that it can be a positive experience. But I think we really need to listen to our horses. Some horses are better, you know, bitless. Some horses are better with hackmore. Some horses are better with side pulls. It just really depends on your personal horse and your experience as a rider. Yes, yes. I'd like to ask you now, if you could have dinner with any three horse people, dead or alive, who would it be and why? So, well, obviously, I think I'm gonna have to say Pat Pirelli is number one, because I'm following his program, you know, I would have a lot of questions, I'd obviously like to know so much more. And I'm the kind of person that likes to know a little bit about everything. But you know, Pat is that since I'm following his program, I would definitely would like to know also how it started and his thoughts on it and you know, and just different things about it. And let's see, another one would probably, I'm not sure if you know him, his name is Benjamin Atkinson, and he's a, a young, amazing horseman, and he does a lot of liberty work with his horses, and he works with like five horses at a time, and he does the most amazing things and makes it look like magic, and so he's a really, you know, big, big inspiration for me, because that's my dream, you know, I don't care about competing, my dream is to get to a point where, 
my communication is so strong with my horse that it looks like manic magic the way we're communicating and that's exactly what he does and it's so so cool to see and a third person would probably be uh Yvette Blokish sorry Yvette if you will ever hear this I don't know how to pronounce your last name but um on Instagram featherlight horsemanship and I think she's such an amazing horsewoman you know she does things so naturally just her aura is so calm and so relaxed and I've seen her change horses completely and she's this young you know, girl, and she does deal with these horses that are actually quite dangerous. And then after a few sessions, they're like puppy dogs. And I think she's absolutely, you know, amazing. And she also does all of this with compassion and helping the horse find its own relaxation, its own softness, and its own dealing with its own body and learning to, you know, use his body in a positive way. Yes, I follow Yvette's Featherlight Horsemanship on Instagram as well and I've also um, dabbled in her online academy and just her energy is so lovely and I think it really highlights that the horses really respond to that. If you show up with the right energy, a lot of those problems tend to kind of fade away because they can really feel your intention and your innocence, I guess. The next question is, if you could turn back the time and talk to yourself 10 or 20 years ago, maybe 10 of you, you're quite young, um, what would you tell yourself? Um, I would probably tell myself to not listen so much to everyone else, but follow my heart more and follow my intuition. Because, you know, many things I did in my life, I did thinking of other people and not thinking of myself. And, you know, I thought, I needed to do these because that's what people wanted from me. So, but if I would go back, I would definitely have started following my dreams sooner like this one. But, you know, I guess everything happens for a reason and better late than never. I'm here now. If I could go back, I would have started this journey, you know, 20 years ago when I was five. But unfortunately, I didn't have the opportunity to do it that time. But definitely, I think, you know, a good thing is always follow your dreams, follow your heart, follow what your intuition says, because you're always going to be right if you follow that. I love that. And I know that you are currently working on your level three with Pirelli. And aside from the savvy club and following that pathway, which is a huge part of your learning process, I'm guessing, but how else are you continuing to learn about horses and exactly what are you currently studying? Well, I think I learn every moment that I'm in their presence. Every day that I'm around horses, I learn something different because horses are the ones that teach us in the end, you know, what we need to know. But, um, you know, aside from that, I try to study a little bit on the Savvy Club each day. And that's my main thing. I'm also a member of the Featherlight Academy. So I love also watching her videos and, you know, watching all of what she has to say. But mostly that's the way I'm studying. I also read a lot of books, natural horsemanship books and forums. So that's I try to study basically every day. I get on the Savvy Club, try to progress in my knowledge of the Savvy Club, get on the members, the Featherlight Academy and progress on that. And then obviously I learn from my horses, which are the biggest teachers, because if, you know, if it weren't for them, I wouldn't learn anything because Amadeus is the one that gives me feedback on what I'm teaching. So I think that is the biggest way that you could you could study. And if it weren't for COVID, I would love to attend more clinics and you know do more hands-on things. But unfortunately now the situation keeps us all online. So 
I've been on my own without my instructors for five months. And so I'm kind of forced to be doing everything online. But if it weren't for that, I would really, really enjoy to do a clinic with them or have more lessons, you know, to further my knowledge in all of the horsemanship um, approaches. Thank goodness for online learning in these times. But I think one day you might meet Pat Pirelli. I think you should go to his, one of his masterclasses or something one day. I'd really like to know from you, if your horse could talk or your horses could talk with words, because we know that they can communicate with us, right? But if they could actually understand English, what do you think that they would say to you and what would you like to say to them? Well, um, I think Missy would tell me that she's proud of me since, you know, we've been together such a long time and she saw this major shift in me you know, from going to the person that would that competed and was that in that world to what I am today. So I think if she could, she would tell me that she's proud of the woman that I have become and am, am becoming. And, uh, you know, and I, if I could talk to her, I would just like thank her and just make a statue for her because she kept me safe in so many situations. She's my soul horse, you know, my she's been my partner in crime for so many years. And I would just tell her how amazing she is and how special she is for me. And I think she knows because we do have a very special bond. I think it shows even through the screen. But I would definitely tell her, you know, how grateful I am to have had her in my life and how grateful I am to have her even right now, even if I know that now she's suffering. She has um, laminitis disease, so she's going through a really, really tough time. But I would just tell her that I'm here for her and that, you know, I'm she's my life and she's my baby. And I just want her to know how much I appreciate her. Um, so Amadeus <laughs> on a funnier note, he is, you know, so stubborn and smart. So I think, you know, he would tell me, okay, Asia, you know, I love you. You're nice and all, but I'm going to decide that from that from today, we're just going to be taking trail rides and I'm just going to be eating. There's not going to be any more exercising involved. I'm just going to be sleeping. <laughs> I think that's what he would tell me. And yeah, I would just have to say, okay, you know what? You know, we can do that, but you also need to learn a little bit more how to use your body and how to use be a little more mentally stable. So I think that's, and obviously I would tell him, of course, thank you, thank you, thank you for being in my life. And thank you for not having you, <laughs> tried to kill me yet. Thank you for being collaborative in this journey. And I, I tell him this all the time, even if I know they can't understand our words, but I think they understand, you know, our intentions and our emotions. So I talk to my horses as if they were my best friends every day. They know what I feel they know my intentions and my emotions. So I think Amadeus knows, you know, how grateful I am to have him in my life and how happy I am to, for him to be my partner and for us to be together on this journey. I think he would absolutely feel that. Tell us what is next for you and where do you see yourself in 10 years time? Well, right now we're working on obviously um, successfully passing all the four Pirelli programs. So we're at the half of the program, we need level three and level four, but I think that will probably come next year, um, hopefully. But um, the dream would obviously be to become a mm -hmm. professional and help people, and especially horses that have had a rough start in life, like Amadeus, be able to learn horses again and find peace and find comfort. So in 10 years, I would just love to be at the service 
of you know people and horses that do have these difficulties with you know in their relationship so me having it lived in first port person i know exactly what it means i know you know i have this experience so i can totally understand people that are going through the same thing and i would love to help them you know overcome any of these difficulties i know it's a long journey i have so much to learn but that would be absolutely my dream and it's always been my dream and i feel like i am on this earth to help you know people and horses find this mutual way of being and find happiness so i really hope that i can achieve this dream in the future you're you sound like you're so passionate about that i have no doubt that you will get there and i'm sure our listeners are hearing you and thinking I need to follow this girl on Instagram. So tell us where can our guests find out more about you? Well, if you want to be a part of our journey and progress, you can follow us um, on Instagram at wildheartsamadeus and you will find all our training, cute pictures, obviously, of the horses and all our shenanigans because me and Madeus are always up to doing something silly and ridiculous. So we like to always keep it fun and keep it real. So, you know, if you want to have a good laugh, but also learn a little bit about our training, then do give us a follow. We would love to have you. If you have any questions, we are very open. I try to reply to everyone and I love everybody's support and I love hearing everyone's stories. So it really, really makes me happy to have an amazing community on Instagram and the more, the merrier. Excellent. I will place a link to your Instagram profile in the show notes for this episode as well. And that brings us to the end of this interview. Thanks so much for sharing your time and your knowledge and your I guess, growing expertise with us today. And I'm sure all the listeners have gained a lot from hearing you. I look forward to seeing what the future holds for you and your beautiful horses. And thanks again for being here and inspiring us all to be better horse people. Thank you, Amalia, so much. And I also love your journey. You're also an inspiration for me. So I really hope that this um, interview does bring also inspiration to other writers. And thank you, thank you, thank you. It was amazing. I had so much fun. And I hope to hear from you very, very soon. Thanks for listening to the Horsemanship Breakthroughs podcast. Make sure you hit subscribe so you get notified every time a new episode is released. And if you've learned even just one small thing from today's show, I would really appreciate if you could leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. If you have any questions from today's show, suggestions for future episodes, or just want to reach out and say hi, I would love to connect with you on Instagram at Amalia underscore horses. Remember to also register for my free connection and communication mini course at amaliadempsey.com.